Hey everyone, welcome back to Ready to Redo. I'm Jo Yang, your host. Nice to meet you if this is the first time you're coming across this podcast. And welcome back if you have been listening in the past. So this year is going to be a very interesting one. I, if you don't know already, I'm going to be teaching this year. So the content will change slightly in that it will be more teacher focused and classroom focused and practical focused. So any practical tips, any lessons that I've learned I this episode, I'm going to be talking about quite a few of the lessons that have really stood out to me in placement. Then keep your ears out, keep your eyes peeled if you're on the YouTube channel and let's jump into it. Hey everyone, welcome back and it is 2022 doesn't feel like it but it is and I first of all want to wish everyone a happy well happy new year merry christmas everything that has happened in between now and december mid-december ish so it's been a while since then I have been absolute chaos recently because I am uh moving interstate if you're not aware actually i don't even think i've said it on this on this podcast so maybe it's the first time you're hearing about this uh i am moving interstate in australia to teach high school and there is a lot of stuff on my mind i have yeah it's it's a bit head empty no thought at the moment so uh i still did want to give my time and love towards this podcast anyway i did say last year i wanted to continue the the quality <laughs> if you're watching this you'll notice that it is very different to how the other uh episodes have looked and that is because i'm filming on my phone because all my film stuff is being packed and shipped towards my new uh new home so that's really cool but for now i am again just head empty no thought but today there are so many things i would like to just recap over what I've learned from my teaching placement, my masters, my experiences in the classroom, which if you know me, I value the experiences and the placements and the interactions with students so, 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 so much more than an essay about them. So if we are going to start with just the lessons I've sort of, what's the word? <laughs> internalized over my placement so far I might just as well just start with uh actually no I'll give some context so I was doing placement at a 7 to 12 high school uh mainly doing English and I would just have a look and like the little little um I don't want to say stalker it's not stalker <laughs> it's just the, the the little fly on the wall and just yeah, very different to Stalker now that I'm thinking about that. No, they know I'm there. <laughs> uh, I just look at them from afar, the teachers, and I just observe what they're doing. What What's happening with the teachers? Are the students liking them? Why are the students liking them? What are they doing so well that I really want to imitate in my practice? So one of the first things I picked up was have high expectations for your students no matter who they are. I think a very common thing, and this isn't to say that, oh, you know, like we should stop doing it. But again, back to the idea of labels, it's if we lock a student into a specific label, like the, the student who misbehaves or the student who always gets uh, detention or the student who always calls out, um, 
and the, and the teachers start to talk about the student like, and I've seen it, I've seen it in the staff room, I've seen it quite blatantly in, in public, which is, you know, like, oh, that student, oh, what a handful, oh. And it's really, uh, in a way, just really uncomfortable for me as an outsider who has no idea what the student is like. And I don't like to judge a student like that. Uh, but they start to get locked into an identity and that can actually start lowering your expectations of, you know, what do you expect from them academically? What do you expect from them concentration-wise? Are you go just going, oh yeah, that's just them, that's just them. To what extent, and it is true, to an extent, yes, it is them, but to what extent is that almost an amalgamation I think that's a word, amalgamation of just the context, how the teachers treat them, how the other students treat them, how they feel in the environment. I think it's a lot more than just who they are as a person. And that's going back to the nature versus nurture side of things. Uh, but it's having high expectations in that. And I wanted to make this a non-negotiable that every student can succeed if they put in the hard work and effort to succeed. And, and not only limiting that to the students who are already high achievers and high performers, but to every student. Like if you really, if you dedicate the time and effort for you yourself, because everyone will dedicate a different amount of time and a different level of effort, just depending who you are. But if they are able to expend that effort, then they will succeed. It's, it's a non-negotiable. It's to say that, yes, I believe you can. It's just up to you now to do the hard work. So I found that that's really effective and just saying like, yeah, you can do it. I know you can do it, but you need to know, this is also like a transfer of ownership and autonomy. It's not to just say that I, as a teacher, know that you can do it, but it needs to be, you know that you, know that you can do it. Uh, and that takes a lot more than just saying, it's actually proving to them. So uh, for a lot of students, I will say, um, for example, let's just choose maths. They say they can't do an equation, but really they can't break it down into very tangible steps. So instead of saying, oh, you can do it, you can really do it. It's to prove to them with every step that they do towards a full equation is that you've just done some maths within a big maths equation. So I know that you can do it because you can see yourself that you can do it. You can do this equation. So what's stopping you from doing more? That sort of uh, mentality. Uh, and the next part of my observation comes from more the compassion side and the acknowledgement and the validation of the teacher and how important that is for the students. Um, so first of all, recognizing the students and acknowledging them first before correcting. And I've talked about this before in the podcast about connecting before correcting. So connecting with a student, understanding why they're doing something, praising them for doing something, and then correcting and bringing in what you actually, well, not what you actually want to say, but just uh, something that's more stern that you wouldn't necessarily lead with. Uh, so for example, if a kid's like, blah, 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 which they have done, oh my God, it's really hard to stop a kid from <laughs> wanting to contribute a lot because that is such, to me, such an important skill and and um action to do is is to 
share your opinions, your ideas with the class and to feel comfortable doing so. But there are some students and all my love goes to them, uh, or at least a lot, a, a huge portion of it, but it goes to every student. Uh, it's, oh my gosh, I love how much you are contributing, but all, also I need to give a space. I need to give space for all the students to be able to contribute. And if only one student is contributing, that is so hard to get other people, because other students will just sit back and go, yeah, well, this student is, is talking a lot. So what's the point of me trying to jut in? Because I won't get a word in. <sighs> so something that you can do to connect before you correct is to say thank you for participating and this needs to be genuine by the way it can't just be a thank you for participating because uh, we'll, we'll talk about sarcasm in a bit it's quite a uh, toxic <laughs> for students anyway uh, so and it depends on the context but if we're going to acknowledge them thank you for participating actually I really genuinely love how enthusiastic you are and how much you actually want to give your opinions. Please don't, uh, please don't lose that. I want you to have that. But could we please let the other students um, contribute their ideas too? So that's more a group activity as opposed to a one-on-one. -on -one. So first acknowledging them for being enthusiastic, for sharing their ideas, because we don't, we don't want to shut down that enthusiasm. But then bringing in the other side of correction is, can we actually turn it down a little bit so that other students can get a word in as well? Uh, and also, also, um, oh yeah, another thing I wrote was no shutdown of ideas. I saw some really great teachers do this where um, if a student got something wrong, uh, so if you ask a question and the student says something and it's the incorrect answer, it's to first of all, again, say, Thank you for contributing. That's actually a really interesting way that you've interpreted it. Um, and then you could say something like, I'd like to unpack that a little further, or let's look at that, but from a different angle so that we're not shutting them down, even if it is incorrect, but saying, first of all, thank you for contributing. Let's look at this from a different angle perhaps. And maybe let's work on that so that we can refine the answer that you gave us. Uh, another thing is unconditional positive regard, and I love this. It's uh, more a well-being thing, if anything, where we are always there for the students. We unconditionally are there for the students, meaning if they've done something bad, we 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 don't just write it off and say, oh, whatever, but we go, okay, well, what this student did was bad, but this student themselves is just any other human. We, we love them, they're welcome in this community, but their action again, so separating the person from the action is really important. Um, and, and to basically see that they can, unconditionally, they can be a good person, they are a good person, they just have selected the wrong things to do in the community or in the school. So another one is to give other students a go. So, um, Oh yeah, this is actually what I said before. So this is, uh, if a student is talking a lot to say, if it's all right with you, I would love for this to be an inclusive space. I'd love others to give it, to give uh, this question a go, but I really, really do love your willingness to participate. Um, and <laughs> yeah, there's another one. So some students want to tell you their life story. That's something I learned. 
uh, it's true. They, if you give them the time and the, the attention, they will tell you their whole life story if they can. And this isn't every student, but this is a lot of students. And to be able to do it in a nice way of like shutting them down, but you know, still in a way that you're respecting them as a person. I like to do the, you know what? I really do want to hear what you want, what you would like to say. And if you genuinely do, <laughs> so two parts. If genuinely you want to know what they want to say, but you don't have time, I, I, I um, how would you say? I really want to hear more of this. So don't, don't please don't assume that I, I don't, I just want to get out of here, but I really do want to hear what you have to say, though I do need to run. So if you can bring this back to me after at a good time, then I would love to hear more about it. Or if you really don't want to hear about it, well, then you just got to express your boundaries. Like, thank you so much for sharing this with me. I really do want to keep, you know, talking about just things in general, but this topic or, or this particular thing, I'm actually not too comfortable with, or I'm not too, uh, I would prefer not to. Uh, and and to just leave it at that and say let's talk about something else later when I have time and it depends on the student how you communicate with this so other things that I have learnt and I realise it's already 13 minutes and I've just babbled my way through um, some other things wait time this is something I do terribly because as you can tell I'm a very uh, fast 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 and uh, chaos in my head so I barely have time to wait, or I barely give myself and others time to wait, which I've learned is really, really bad because if I say something and ask a question, apparently the research, research says that we are very quick to choose a student and we don't even wait like 10 seconds because personally, in my experience, it feels like eternity. But if we want to create an inclusive space, if we want to let every student think for themselves before the answer is said, we need to implement wait time. And that could be 10 seconds, that could be 15, 20, just depending on the, the level of the question. Uh, but something that I really, really do need to implement in my teaching this year. Another one is brain breaks because all students, uh, including teachers, cannot just focus on one thing for 50 minutes, which is usually the length of a class. So we do brain breaks instead, which are breaks in between. For example, you could show a cute picture of your dog on the PowerPoint slide or in person. Look, <laughs> imagine bringing your dog in person. That would be the best brain break ever. That would take up the whole class though. Um, breaks are supposed to be only one minute, two minutes, five minutes, uh, where you stretch or you just um, put your head on the table or you, and people can get creative. You can do whatever you want, um, just so that the students can redirect their attention, have a bit of a Zen time, and then go back to the work. Uh, another thing that I realise is really important is good feedback. Feedback has never been, you know, it's just never something that you get taught how to do in school. I just got an idea. That should be important to teach students then. Hmm. I've got my laptop right here, so I'm just going to write that down. Feedback. Teach students how to <laughs> give good feedback. Okay. So good feedback is, and I've written some things down, they're actionable, meaning that 
this feedback needs to result, needs to lead them towards some sort of action. As in, you can't just say, yeah, good, good essay. You need to say something along the lines of um, your, the, the way you, the style or the words that you've chosen to write are really great. Um, could you potentially try um, inserting more adjectives or uh, including more emotive language? Something like that where it's more tangible so that they know what they need to work on. Uh, that does, uh, that's basically congruent with direction as well. So it's actionable, direction and next steps. So it needs to have some sort of direction for them to track even progress, how, how they will go in the next assessment as opposed to this one, but also next steps. What can you do next? Include more emotive language, research a list of emotive, uh, of descriptive words and choose one to include in your next essay, whatever it is. So you've given them next steps. Um, I'm going to cough, <clears throat> uh, ask students what their next steps will be. And that is also real important to not just give them the next steps, but ask them and check in with them, whether they even understand what they're going to do next, because your feedback could be amazing, but it just really entirely depends on how the student interprets that feedback and for them to actually reflect over the feedback and then know exactly what to implement in the future. To ep to ep up to end this uh, this episode is just things that I noted as worth reminding. One of them being the sarcasm bit. So, sarcasm. Personally, for me, I don't implement that in my teaching just because uh, I've had my fair share of sarcastic teachers as well, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good if you're not in that relationship with that teacher, as if if it's not already like a, a an agreed and consensual sarcasm between you and the student, I don't think it should be included because, for example, like if you're asking them to tidy up and they say, wow, yep, you're so quick, that makes me want to go slower. Like me as a student, I want to just battle that and say, hey, did I ask? <laughs> and then slow down, slow down me packing stuff up. Because it, to me, and this is how I interpret it, so that's why I don't want to do, to, to do it to students, is it just comes across really um, unsettling. It doesn't feel good. It feels like you're mocking me, that sort of thing. So I would prefer no sarcasm, but it just depends. Depends on the student, depends on the teacher and how they say it. Another one, growth mindset. This is possibly, I don't know why I didn't lead with this, but <laughs> growth mindset is one of the most important things. That's also to do with the first thing, actually, have high expectations. Um, so choosing your words, your growth mindset words really carefully. Uh, for example, you're progressing really well in this. And I can see it's because you've tried really hard in this aspect and I've really noticed that you're, you've improved. Something like that, instead of just saying, hey, that was great. Because, um, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, some people just don't feel good with superficial feedback like that, with, oh yeah, that was great. Or you're, you're so smart because it doesn't, First of all, it locks you into an identity and it feels like you need to keep up with that. But also it shows no growth. It just says you're smart. Or you could say, I've noticed 
that you've spent more time on this. And if they haven't spent more time, maybe it's effort, or maybe it's just that they have looked at that question longer than you, than you expected them to, or that they have done in the past. So it's literally, wow, you've worked on this question longer than you did before. And I can see that you've actually made a little bit of progress towards that. If they've done like one equation, one tiny addition in something like noticing those little little nuggets and then i don't know why the word capitalize came up but capitalism um capitalize on that opportunity and say hey i noticed that that was really cool did you notice that like you've just improved just a time like just a tiny bit but i've seen that incline and you're gonna get there something like that um and oh last but not least really important factoring culture so uh whether they're different ethnicity but also cultures uh other cultures that we don't necessarily think of so socioeconomic cultures or um just lifestyle culture what sort of person are they uh and other things too but just generally understanding that every student is different every student has different beliefs different needs to be open-minded and create a safe space for students um, in the classroom and really trying to invite different cultures, religions, um, everything into the classroom to make sure that every student feels welcome in the space. I could do a whole, because I know that's vague, about how to create a safe space, so I can do that actually. That's a really good idea, I'm gonna write that down. Uh, and I will extend off that because I know that, yeah, that was super vague, but I hope you enjoyed that. These were just some takeaways that I had from last year and leading into 2022. These are really what I want to implement and remember for my teaching. And I hope it does for you. If you're a teacher, uh, even if you're not, if you, I, I think everyone does some form of teaching in their life, whether it's explicit teaching or literally teaching their, their, uh, parent how to use a computer also very very important so i will see you and i want to say next week but i have no idea because i'm relocating so maybe the week after bye